right, so this is an episode that I did with uh, MMA pioneer Tom Medina. Um, Tom Medina is one of the guys who kind of came out of that Huntington Beach uh, MMA scene back in the early UFCs that had Chemo, Tito Ortiz, and a number of all guys who uh, kind of fought out of that same area, Red Yard Moncayo, um, you know, several others. So, uh, you know, he was one of the early guys, and he's also kind of um, grown to have a pretty big following on TikTok as a kind of like a boxing trainer. So uh, we kind of talked about old school MMA, his uh, new school uh, following on TikTok, and uh, a lot of stuff in between. So this is uh, Todd Medina from California. Check it out. All right, so now you got me. Okay, thanks, Mr. Atkins. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, now, you know, I'm really looking forward to doing this one because you're kind of like uh, old school era, just like me, you know. Right, yes, sir. I kind of found the sport at the same time. Um, so for people that, if there's people watching this that don't know who you are, maybe you could introduce yourself a little bit. For sure. Um, my name's Todd Medina. My first pro fight was UFC 5 uh, back in, I think it was like 93. So somebody had given me a VHS tape of uh, uh, UFC 1 when I was going to college. And the day they gave that to me, I just quit everything. I knew this is what I was going to do, and that's how all that thing was going to go. So um, back then, there was no cell phones, no uh, internet, anything like that to find out how to get in the UFC. So it took me you know, a couple months to figure it out and how to get into the UFC. And lo and behold, they were up in Torrance. So it wasn't, wasn't that difficult after, after doing that. Um, the, the thing back in the day was to get picked up by Japan. Um, so I was fortunate enough where um, uh, Kimo was in UFC 3, and he was a good friend of mine. So Japan immediately picked him up. So at the time, UFC was looking for somebody still big and had some tattoos and just different looking or whatever. <clears throat> so I got a hold of Art Davey walked in the office he's like oh, okay yeah let's do this so they signed me and then right after that ufc 5 japan picked me up and that was kind of the the game plan because i was fighting like every six weeks they paid you cash um you were staying active because back in the day they didn't know when the next ufc was they would show one they would play it and then just kind of try to figure it out when the next event was going to be or if there was going to be a next event it's not nothing like there is now um so I, uh, so I was fortunate enough to keep going to Japan until things kind of got situated. And then from then, uh, I traveled the, the, the planet mostly, just going to different countries, fighting all over the place. Anywhere there was a fight I could get, I, I took it. Um, and now with that said, I've got like 13 title belts. Most of them are from all out of the country. And uh, I, I'm fortunate to, uh, I've seen the sport grow from like at the very beginning and then, you know, to what it is today. So it's come a long way. And um, like Jen like yourself, Todd, that you've been around, take this respectfully, a long time. You know, you've seen this sport grow. So, and that's where I'm at with that. Um, still, I've never got out of it. Uh, I'm still coaching. COVID kind of slowed it down a little bit. So I went from training mostly strictly fighters. Now I train like a lot of professional people, which is okay. Um, so some other things are working out right now, but... It's crazy to me. I get guys whether they're they're, they're coaching or, or fighting or whatever. Then they retired like, you know, a couple of years after they got in the game. 
or whatever. But like I, a lot of times in interviews, people ask me like, hey, what are you going to do when you retire? Like what's a no rules fighter do, you know, when they get out of the game kind of thing. So I've still been in it. Um, so as of lately, I'm starting to get over doing the uh, anti-sex trafficking thing. Um, so I'm starting to get my feet wet in that, and uh, but still training people. Yeah, I had seen you like on TikTok and some of these other, you know, social media apps. You had a pretty big presence, and I was like, you know, you're one of the few guys from that era that was still kind of doing that. Yeah, you know what? My son hit me up right before COVID. He's like, "Hey, Dad, you got to jump on this. This is going to be the next big thing." Um, and like, I mean, me included. Like, how many? Take a handful of the guys from from my era fighting that are like on social media that they're actually doing it or that kind of stuff. So um, not too many of us that are actually doing it. So I jumped on it and it was a good thing. COVID kind of helped out. And then like, I was really surprised how many people of our age or my era, I'm not calling you old, obviously yeah. remembered if they're on it and they picked up and they're following me, but I get more people that, Follow me now from the TikTok guy. Hey, you're the fight coach. They've never seen me fight before. Oh, like I, I get more people per day, per week hitting me up. Oh, you're the fight coach. I've seen you on TikTok, like all over the place. Can I get a picture? Can I get a video? It's the goofiest thing. It's so crazy. Now I fought. Been, yes, sir. Gotten to the anti-sex trafficking. Are you like a kind of like law enforcement or? So um, teaching first, it started. I was teaching women self-defense. And now I just had a really cool meeting in Mexico uh, because San Diego and Mexico are the two biggest spots for that. Um, so jumping into that, like, like without giving too much away, like, like getting kids back or getting, you know, young girls back kind of thing. Um, but Tijuana is the most violent city on the planet. Mm. So uh, within the next two weeks, I start teaching a bunch of self-defense down there to the women Two weeks ago, I started going down to the red light district um, with a ministry, um, talking to the girls down there, you know, doing Lord's work kind of thing. Um, but there's not a huge line of guys ready to go down there and like, you know, get kids out of out of situations or young girls or what have you. So um, they kind of found out that, you know, that's that's my get down. That's I've been trying to get into that forever to do something like that. Because, again, there's not a huge line of guys that, are, you know, really want to do it, that are down with it. Um, so that's where that's going right there. So I'll be doing a little bit of self-defense. Not, I mean, with the cartel down there, the girls can only do so much. But just getting girls back or whatever. So that's that's where we're going with that whole thing. It's pretty crazy that Tijuana is kind of like, like you said, kind of the ground zero now. Because that's, you know, 20 years ago, people went to Tijuana from San Diego all the time. Uh, right? It was it's bananas. And now to find out it's the most violent city on the planet. Um, ISIS got the majority of all their kill tactics and everything from the cartel. I'm like, how crazy is that? So, yeah, um, it went from being a party city, party town, because San Diego is right next door to, like, you really got to watch your, your P's and Q's. So um, even when we go down there now to minister to the, to the girls, the prostitutes, um, I mean, there's got to be a level of respect down there and you can't just go down there and start, you know, thinking you're a tough guy and this and that. So you, it's, it's better to just to be able to know that, you know, that you can protect yourself or whoever, you know, you have it in your back pocket if you need it, but it, it's more of the gift to gab. 
kind of thing. So, um, and the cartel's actually been pretty cool about it, um, about talking to the girls, you know. Um, some of them have left the, left the business, you know, because some of them have like kind of been sold into it or whatever. So the family has no money and that's their main source of income is their daughter being a prostitute. Now, when you go down there, like I haven't, I've never been to Mexico, actually, but or not. But uh, like when you go down to Tijuana, is it still similar at all the way it was or? It's changed a whole bunch, Todd. Um, actually, I just got back yesterday. I've been down there like two, two three days um, for a different thing, working with the Ukrainian um, camps. So there's a bunch of Ukrainians that came over into Mexico because they can get through the border there. Um, but from 20 years ago to what it is now, it's like night and day. It's nothing like, it's nothing how it used to be. Um, I was surprised how many people are still down there um, partying. It seems almost like there's more families. I don't know what, like maybe living there and coming, crossing over for work and then going back. Um, I, it wasn't, at least since I've been there the past, you know, whatever couple months, it's not like the party town it used to be, or at least that, I, that I've seen. Even in the red light district where the big, um, the big clubs are for, you know, prostitutes and all that kind of stuff, that didn't seem to be very populated. I was really surprised about that. I mean, there's, there's definitely Americans over there, but nothing how it used to be. So even a couple, even before COVID, um, I'd done some security and taken some guys over there and the place was out of control. Uh, but then since COVID, you know, recently or whatever, it's kind of, it's kind of um, slowed down. So Americans go over there. It's not necessarily dangerous for them to be there or is. Yeah, correct. As long as you're not being a knucklehead, because that's still a lot of income that, that bring, that goes over there. So, um, you know, they know what's up. It's, it's guys being, or people being knuckleheads or, you know. Um, getting in the business of doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. But, um, but yeah, because they understand a lot of the American dollar goes over there, you know. So, but just because word of mouth and on the press, um, you know, in the newspapers and stuff, it says how it's so violent. So not so many people are going over there. Same thing, like I trained up a bunch of people that live in Beverly Hills. Like Beverly Hills is out of control right now. People getting watches stolen. And they don't report near about what's going on over there. I mean, Beverly Hills is kind of violent. It is violent. So I picked up, you know, quite a few clients just so for like self-protection, you know, teaching them how to do this. And like the look over there right now, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, they kind of have clean cut hair, but like their beards real bushy or whatever. And these are people with some serious money, you know, just to kind of give them that rugged look. So somebody's got to think twice, you know, if they're going to do something. But these guys got like $500,000 watches on their wrist, you know. So, but, at, and it's just a misdemeanor if you're carrying a, a handgun so most of these guys even without the the concealed weapons permit are carrying so it's just strange times we live in very strange times now you had said let's kind of get back to when you had said you first saw the UCVHS state what were you doing that you kind of quit everything to... I was going to school for sports medicine kinesiology I wanted to be a sports trainer um, guy uh, and, and somebody gave me that tape who was, I believe he was in um, Horian's school. Uh, and he'd been trying to kind of get me to, to go train jujitsu before. He's like, oh, you have a, you know, a metal temperament. This will be a good art for you and, and this and that. But at the time it was like, I think he was paying like 600 bucks a month. And for something that I didn't know anything about. And I go, I'm not going to pay somebody 600 bucks a month. But then he came back, you know, a 
short time later after the UFC won and gave me that. It was probably the next day, actually, gave me the tape of that. And he goes, hey, I think you'd be really good at this just from, like, being, you know, having grit and, you know, being in some street fights or whatever. And I saw that and I was like, this is I was born and bred for this. So um, it took me a while to find because there's no it's not like it is now. People don't realize that um, there was maybe legitimate, legitimate. There's maybe six legitimate black belts in the state of California. Um, some and most of them were all gi. They weren't going to teach you anything, especially if you went to one of these guys and said, like, hey, I want to fight in the UFC. They're like, ah, no way, because um there were partners and Orion was one of the partners in, in the UFC. So um, we had to kind of backdoor that one too. When I, when I got in UFC five, because I was training jujitsu, but they put me in as, as JKD. But um, yeah, the college, like I just knew, like I, like, yeah, there was no turning back. There was nobody talking me out of it. Um, yeah. That, that's what I was going to do. Is fighting the cage. And your first contact was like Art Davey and chemo. Yeah, so I actually here's one. Okay, remember Joe San obviously. Oh, obviously? Yeah. Okay, because Joe was, and I'm 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 still guessing he is or whatever, but he was a black belt in like kung fu or something in the sport. So all of us, it was Joe San, Kimo, and myself, all lived in Huntington. But Joe was in the movies. Joe San was in the movies, and being a black belt, I figured, okay, well, Joe, you probably have the plug to get to get me in. So he hadn't even seen it yet. So I go to Joe maybe a day or two after I got that tape, and I'm like, hey, Joe, get me in this UFC stuff. And he's like, no, nah, Toddy, don't do that. Um, those guys are straight killers. Like, you'll straight die in the cage. <clears throat> I was like, really, Joe? And he's like, yeah. So I left that conversation, and like a half hour, hour later, I'm like, screw that guy. Like, no, I'm going to get in. That's what I'm going to do. So Joe found out how to get in prior, earlier, faster than I could. So he got chemo in, in number three in UFC three, because those two were really tight at the time. Um, and then it kind of caused a little bit of friction between Joe Son and I, because the guy just always ran his mouth. So Art Davey almost had Joe Son and I scrap at the, at the Torrance Academy to see who's going to be in UFC four. Um, but I, I, it never happened. And I don't know why, how that worked out, but Joe was obviously in UFC four. Um, and then I was in UFC five, which I'm kind of grateful I, I took that now, um, or went in that order. So, yeah, that's how that whole thing went down. Is is Joson kind of played a big part in that by not doing anything. So, but after Chemo was in there, because I remember, like, it was almost the day after K1 picked Chemo up. Right after that, he got a uh, he got a hundred grand for four fights, and, and then like, and that was way before the contracts there are now like a, you know, exclusive and all this and that or whatever. So chemo just bounced UFC and they're like, whoa, 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 wait, you know, we need somebody big with tattoos. And it just worked out that, you know, we're all kind of from the same group. Was Rundar Marcayo with you guys also? Oh, here's a funny story too. Oh, we got good stories, Todd. So Rudy was in that group. Um, it was, he wasn't training with anybody, but we all trained at the same like weightlifting gym. It was powerhouse down there. So, Right after he might even went to UFC five with us. I don't remember the, the, that exact part of it, um, but Chris Brennan did, but that's a different story too. So right after Rudy's like, Hey, you got to get me in the UFC. And back then, it was, I mean, after you were in, like you had, you knew everybody's well, maybe like now um, I'm like, okay, it's no problem because he said he was the uh, Ecuador, basically the Ecuador UFC champ. I don't remember what they called it back then. I'm like, okay. 
um, he's like, you got to get me in the UFC for my country. He's giving me the story. I'm like, okay. So I call Art Davey, um, and I'm like, hey, I got the Ecuadorian UFC champ. Um, you know, can we throw him in? He's like, hey, are, are you backing him? I'm like, yes. Yeah. You know, he's got a letter right here from, from the country, supposedly, that says he's the dude. Um, so I send him some pictures. He's got the look and this and that or whatever. Um, so he's like, okay, boom, I, I, he's in. So n- none of us really trained together, just other than at the weight gym. So one day I'm like, hey, Rudy, if you need extra time or whatever, you can come train with us. It's no big deal. He's like, no, um, I'm busy enough doing my own training. I play video games. That's how he gets ready for fights. He never won. He was never in a fight in Ecuador for anything. He just composed this letter. Um, I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I don't train. I just play video games. He took karate or something when he was a kid. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I'm like, no. Um, so he never, he just looked at weights, didn't train. So we get to the UFC six. Um, cause now like I'm supposed to this manager, I'm like, Rudy, you can't do this to me, bro. Um, I remember as soon as I got out the plane, John McCarthy pulls me. He's like, Toddy, well, what are these rumors? I hear this kid doesn't train. He just plays video games. I'm like, I didn't know about this. I'm sorry. Bah, bah, bah. And it was still, um, random, you know, who, who you thought was random. They pulled it out of a, that, that turn machine thing. Um, God willing, the luckiest thing ever, he didn't pull Tank because Tank would have killed that kid. Um, but, he, but he fought, he got, uh, uh, yeah, Pat Smith. Remember him Pat, coming across the cage, the front kicking that kid? Boom. Um, but, yes, yeah, so, but Rudy was with us. Uh, sorry for that tangent kicking off. But that was just a funny story after that whole thing. I was so grateful that he didn't get killed because John was like, man, the UFC is going to get sued because that guy's, guy's going to be the first death in the sport. And I was like, ugh. It was really bad. It was, and, and it was like Tank knocked out Pat Smith uh, in the lobby or whatever. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I just did a, a seminar with Chris Brennan in Texas, and we were talking about that story because it was Tank. There was like Tank and like three or four other guys that uh, were in the lobby. And, and Chris Brennan was, was cool with all those guys, but they'd been drinking, obviously, and, and tried to start something with, with Chris Brennan. Um, and it didn't obviously didn't end up happening, but then they walked 20 feet, ran into Pat Smith because they said some words to Pat. You know, Pat Smith's not going to just be quiet about it. And that ended up like that. Poor guy ended up leaving in a, in a, in an ambulance. Yeah. That's crazy. Some of these stories that people don't know about, but I remember hearing about that one. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, and it will, there can never be another time like this or that, you know, between cell phones and people doing this and just, rules and regulations and just all like yeah just never be that way again all the all the good crazy stories from back in the day well we did just have that thing with masvidal and covington oh yeah 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 yes sir yeah that gives it that give how much street cred does that give that kid you know (laughs) i'm like yeah that's a good point good point masvidal is kind of old school though so Mm -hmm. yeah to to have roberto duran like even in obviously in your corner or whatever but to like mess with you like that, that that goes to show that, you know, yeah, you got, you definitely got some street cred with you. Yeah. I like that story. Think about that when you heard about it. Um, I get where he's coming from, but like, you can't do that. I mean, obviously. Um, so the repercussions of all that right now, it's just, I mean, if somebody said something bad about my family or my kids or whatever, like, it's just a different time. I don't know if I would have done anything back in the day. Maybe I would have. I don't know. But um, but now I, I wouldn't. But, but a lot of guys back then would have. 
Yeah, back in the day, yeah. And, and you probably wouldn't have gotten in trouble. Um, because I remember just getting in fights, like whatever, not nothing, just for whatever reason, you were in a fight and the cops would show up and uh, just break it up or whatever, you know? It's just, I mean, going back to Tank, look how many people Tank beat up by, they didn't even want to fight. He would just walk into a club and start beating people up. Um, and really never never got in trouble. Got arrested a couple times, but you know, nothing of, of too crazy. But yeah, you can't get away with any of that now. Not, they don't put up with that violence stuff anymore. So let's talk a little bit about your career, like maybe uh, some of the fights that you remember most vividly, perhaps. Um, the funny part is I, I remember the ones more I lost than, than I than I won. I took in uh, that Vanderlei fight I had. Um, if that was the best shape I've ever been in my life for a fight. Um, I trained my butt off for that thing. But the night before, I got food poisoning. Um, but like, I'm this weird guy, like I gave you my word I was gonna fight, then I'll still fight. But I remember them picking me up, like I was thrown up in the room on the way to the arena, at the arena, on the way to the ring. But Pride, cause Pride's the one that put that fight together. And who would ever won that fight, that was going to start making some, like, in MMA, real money. So we were going to be good to go with that. Um, so, and from that, I never, I have a crack that goes behind my eye and down my cheek. So it took me, like, for a year, I'd have to wake up a little bit early and crack the door and let the sun come in. Crack the door, let the sun come in so I could see. It was just a big old mess because I went to the doctor um, and he said, if you fix it, they take my eye out and put the plates and the screws and all that kind of stuff. But if you fixed it and I got in another fight and somebody hit it, it would just completely destroy it. So I'm like, I'd just leave it, you know, because right before I fought right before COVID. Um, so it's not like I plan on stopping to fight anytime soon or at least training really hard. Um, but that was a pivotal fight for me um, that obviously I lost. And then one that really did good for my stock was uh, I'm the first and the only American to win the Russian heavyweight title, the M1 belt. That one did really well for me. Um, and it's starting to pay off now even more since I've had it, since nobody else has, has won that belt. Um, that was one of my favorite ones. I had, um, I was getting ready for a fight and I just so happened to be in like pretty good shape when they called because it was a last minute fight. Um, you know how promoters work. They get you to, to fight their boy and somebody's not in shape, but, um, I just so happened to be in shape. Um, but I had to put that guy away three times in, in one fight. So before they stopped it, cause that was like. Back then, it's not so well, especially with, with Pride Gun. Um, uh, it's all mob ran. So, like, I put him, put him down, like, within the first minute or something. They go, no, 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 you got to keep going. I'm like, what are you talking about? So we did it again, like, maybe 30 or 40 seconds later, put him down. No, 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 you got to keep going. I'm like, what the heck? Um, and then so finally at the end, I put him down one more time or whatever, punches, so they stopped the fight. Um, but that one did really good for my stock. Uh, that was a that was a good one. Um, and it's still today. Like I was at I was down in Mexico um, volunteering for the U Ukrainian uh, refugee camps, and I, I was so surprised how many of those people knew who I was. I'm like, what the heck? Um, that that one was kind of surreal to me. Um, but those two fights, that was a big win. That was good for me, and a big loss that, that was you know still good for me. Um, but kudos to Vanderlei. Um, but like, I'm, I'm so blessed. I've got to travel the, the planet, getting paid to, you know, meet some really cool, like I wouldn't have never, we wouldn't be talking right now, obviously, if, if, you know, I wouldn't have been fighting all this time. 
Um, but I met some really cool people, um, seen some really cool places. Um, yeah, it's, it's been for me. It's been a really good experience. I've, I've got nothing to complain about. It's been fun. What your opinion on Lober was? I'm sorry. Someone here asked what your opinion of John Lober was. Um, so that's another one too. John started off. I don't want to say with me, but with me from the very beginning. Um, his his first pro fight he went to and he's always kind of john's always been a knucklehead and if he was here with me i would say it but we need to like well this story of mike gone a little bit um uh he was kind of always rough beforehand so he gets that first fight in russia goes over there and wins and on well, during that trip um his dad passed away and him and his dad were really close so he gets home from that trip as you know, his, his dad passed away. And uh a little bit. Um, so from that it made him a rough neck to a real rough neck. Um so in the beginning he trained with me. Um we tra actually trained quite a bit. Um we trained quite a bit. Um but then as like I went to train with Carson Gracie. So he kind of stayed doing his own thing. So, so because he was pretty much a, a knucklehead, like he was running with Tank for a while and just not being the best person he could be. Um, and there were stories going around him about beating guys up that he shouldn't have. Um, so I hadn't seen John, like we hadn't hung out in a while. And then um, just, I want to say the past couple of years, I ran into John and I think just from him, I don't think I know from him, like do like taking the hard life kind of thing like it's really messed them up um so like guys were following them and and the fbi was out to get them and all that kind of stuff it, it was really sad so uh but but i love the guy i love the guy I'd give the shirt up my back for him um but uh yeah he's just a different guy i don't know if that's the answer you're looking for but but tough john john is tough that guy Yeah, tell me about like uh, the Huntington crew, like you know, because that was those guys were all pretty instrumental in the growth of the sport. That was the place. There, there was um, there was a big wrestling coach back in the day, um, Rich Alvarez. He was from Bakersfield. Um, he was in some sort of scheme of things. Um, in the middle of us or at one point of us we all kind of trained with him a little bit but it was just there was a bar he used to do a lot of security so there was a, a bunch of us that you used to do a lot of security but there's a ton of street fights in huntington back then i mean like really good ones um nobody ever got in trouble um and that whole it was just i don't know if it was on the water i don't know what the heck that was about but there was we would just fight all the time back then it was so crazy um yeah, and the guys that people moved into Huntington because that was like the hot spot. Um, Tito was from there, Tank was there, um, Chemo, myself. Uh, I mean, it kept growing. I think Rudy was from Fountain Valley or somewhere close, but there were so many of us that were there um, and it just spread like wildfire. Before you know, there was like 20 dudes there. Yeah, that place was crazy, Todd. 
Yeah, I think a lot of the like uh, coastal areas seem because now Florida seems to be blowing up there. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah, that place is no joke right now. Yeah, so no I think joke. The risk taker, so to speak, you know, kind of. Uh, yeah. Place where law and order is probably not championed. You know, it's just. Kinda <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. We went to, you had some guys fighting in Florida a couple months back ago, but I couldn't believe how many guys there are that, that are fighting, Todd. I mean, there's events like every weekend. It's like Mexico down there. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's like there's events and gyms all over the place. Yeah. It's almost they, they like they have their own Yeah, for real. For real. Yeah. In the middle yeah, of COVID. Florida, you know. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, for real. Because it kind yeah. of reminds me of the way things were back then, sort of, yeah. you know. Yeah, not no, I'm with you. Major events, but these are all these different little small ones where people are kind of getting noticed or trying yeah. to get noticed. Yeah. There, there was and a that, couple guys before COVID, because I was going to send some of my guys to Florida, but it was like underground or whatever you want to call it. They go, oh, that's not going to be good for their name, you know, after COVID. And I'm like, sucker, they got to keep fighting. It's not like they can just, you know sit or whatever um so i talked to a couple of promoters like yeah we're gonna have it on a tennis court i'm like you guys are good let's do this it was crazy same thing you know like when like, how you're saying like kimbo's there masvidal you know just taking taking fights that gets that's what gets you tough that's what gets you tough no are you gym still or nah you know what i closed one right before covid because i was going to open up a big one um and then covid came and I was, I'm super grateful I didn't open that big one because it was going to be really big. Um, so I started training like successful business people. Um, and now I'm like all over the state training people. Um, I was supposed to open, I still probably will open up a gym in San Diego. But the first one was going to be inside of a mall. It was really cool. Um, but on the other side of the mall, 24-hour fitness was there. And anything over 5,000 square foot for my gym, they have the, the first right of refusal. So they shut it down. So I've had three different buildings that kind of fell through. So for whatever reason, and we'll figure it out here sooner or later. But um, so now I'm just kind of like bouncing around training people, which isn't bad. I, I don't mind it, but I'd rather have a home to where I can just train a bunch of monsters. Now, let's kind of talk about, you know, you're there in the beginning as the sport is growing. And obviously, you pay attention to it. <laughs> He's this guy's asked how many fights you got in at Margaritaville. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah, um, that uh, that's a bunch of us were there. I, that's when the things the cops were so cool. Um, we get in fights or whatever, thinking like, oh, we might get in trouble, and the cops would show up because I was training a couple of them. But they'd be like, don't do that jujitsu shit until we get here, so we can watch. They were so cool. Um, I mean, yeah, there used to be fights like all the time, but like, like Lober worked there for a little bit with me. There was, used to be a bunch of, uh, Romeo Ram, um, Chris Brennan was there. There's probably a dozen on and off fighters that were there, but there was always fighters working, but everybody was super cool. That was a place you definitely didn't want to get, um, uh, you know, started anything. Cause there was a bunch of us. There was like four or five guys on staff all the time. It was just a really cool place, a bunch of pro athletes and celebrities and, and movie and TV um, 
personalities were there all the time. Like the line was like three hours long every weekend. Um, we made really good money and it was just a fun place to work. But yeah, we see getting a lot of fights there. Sorry. And what is it like for you now? Like I said, you were there as the sport is growing. You know, you're part of that first wave of guys and you're seeing the sport grow now. You know, what what do you think of it now as as to what you're seeing? There's a handful of guys that are really here, but most everybody shows up in the UFC not to lose. They're not there to win. They're just there not to lose. Um, and it makes for some really boring fights. Now, here's where the girls, I think in another, like they're kicking butt right now, but in another year, two years, the girls are going to be like where it's at. Because um, they're, they're about it. But um, with the extra rules in this now, like, like, I, I remember, and I'm still a fan of the UFC, but when I got in the UFC, the main goal was to fight out of the country so you could make money. Most of these guys will never be that way, or, you know, maybe not for a little bit of time, again, to where you can make better money out of the country. Um, but that was the main goal. You fought in UFC, you went to Japan, um, and you started making money, you know, cash money. Um, but just with the – like, it's just all <clears> – <throat> excuse me, it's all – the majority of it is like is flash like and i get it you got to put butts in the seats but um you know what's your social media and this and that like like connor you know like that's his mouth is what's made him i'm not saying he can't fight but his mouth is what's made him so much money you know like like the diaz brothers that kind of stuff and I, i'm not hating on him um but um it's just changed it's just changed but um but i'm still a huge fan always will be but I'm, are you around any of the guys who were around back then, you know, as far as like um, You know what? There's not that many of them around anymore. Um, so, so no. Uh, other than I, mean, I was with Chris um, a couple weeks ago. But, uh, but there's not, you know, it's, yeah, not, no. It's very strange. Like I was, I was trying to help Lober out right right before and during COVID a little bit, but that, that poor guy is just out there. Um, but there's not that many of us around anymore, you know? And I, I'm trying, I'm, I'm on social media, like it's my job, but um, I don't even know how it came out that way. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting because you know, I read comments and guys, and I'm like, they probably don't even know who this guy is. Yeah, you for know? real. Like, of course, it, hey, I, you ever... Yeah, you know, to read to read the stuff. <laughs> I was like, this is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what did you think of the feedback, and maybe not the feedback, but the response you're getting from that? Um, to be honest with you, I was really surprised. I was like, okay, I'll be cool if I get like 10,000 followers or whatever. That'd be, you know, that'd be pretty cool. And then it just kind of, it took off. Um, Cause I, I don't downplay anybody or whatever, but like a bunch of stuff that other guys are teaching isn't correct or right or whatever. And I'm still coming from the old school. Like, like if that doesn't work, you know, somebody's getting their ass kicked. So um, like, I just, I'm just real with people and it's so funny. And then I've got all these young kids hit me up. Like, okay, so I get, I get married men that have kids or, or don't have kids that hit me up that their wife thinks because they're a man and they're married that they, they know how to fight or they can defend the family. 
I get these guys hitting me up. They're like, dude, I don't even know how to throw a baseball, let alone I've never been in a fight before. What do I do? And that's so strange to me, Todd. Um, so that's one, I, I get a couple. That's one aspect. And I get these young guys coming up where maybe their, their dad's not in the picture. I get a bunch of those guys. Yeah. Um, and I get a bunch of, like, I don't want to say angry women, but women that are all about it. Um, I think probably, four, I think it's like 42% of my, my followers, whatever you want to say, are women. I mean, and, and on, on Instagram, it's nowhere near that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, yeah, it's strange with that one. Um, I could, and I think I'm going to make a left turn here pretty soon and start doing more women's stuff than for the guy. I mean, anybody can use it or whatever, but maybe more self-defense stuff. Um, cause that's kind of like a thing right now. It is. I've started promotion on maybe his third event and he says he can't keep a woman signed. Like, cause he's a fairly new promotion. They'll get yeah. someone bigger just that fast. He'll sign days later, they're off the card, you know? That's so cool to hear. Yeah, good for them. I mean, yeah. but not for the promoter, but yeah, good good for the girls. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, he yeah, says you, the opportunity for them is insane right now as far as, you know, every promotion is, scraps, you know, picking up anybody that can fight, you know, yeah. relatively well that's female. They're, they're getting picked up by everybody. Todd, where do you live? Where are you at? I live in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Well, I'm Tulsa, Oklahoma. How's yeah. that? Well, I, I'm from this area, but, you know, I lived in Japan. I lived in Hawaii for 14 years. I lived in Japan. Oh. This kind of a quiet community area where I'm at, you know. But Tulsa's yeah. a fairly large city. I live, like, maybe 25, 30 minutes away, you know. Tulsa's like a mid-sized city, I would say, you know, if you were compared to a big city. But, I mean, I... You fought on Oahu too, didn't you? Or you came? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was the first one to put a cage on in that place, in, in the Blaisdell. Yeah, um, I love that. That's where it's from. That's where I know you from more. Yeah, yeah. Why? Ah, okay. Uh, but crazy. I was also in Japan during the Pride era, you know, two thousand two to two thousand five, when it was as big as it got. Yeah. So I got to see a lot of that stuff. And, uh, they do some of it here, but it's not, you know, it's not anything major big, you know, but they do have some events around here, uh, you know, city yeah. and Tulsa area. There's some casinos. They have a lot of casinos here. You know, a lot of these Indian casinos, they're all over the place. Oh, right on. They do have some events like that, you know, like they have with IFC or some of the events they had in California. Yes, sir. All right, is boxing bigger or MMA over there? I'd say MMA bigger. Okay. Okay. In the there now there are some boxers. Tommy Morris, Tommy Morrison's kids are boxing. You know, Kenzie and uh, I remember the other one's name, but they're both professional boxers. Tommy's manager manages them. You know, so they they're drawing some crowds here and there. Wow, but they any good? I would say MM, yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty good. Yeah, yeah okay, but uh, I would say MMA is the bigger of the two. If it from a consistency standpoint, I'd say for sure it is. Okay. But yeah, you probably know me from Hawaii, I would say. Yeah, that that's where, that just put a big old light above me. Yeah, Hawaii, that's so cool. Yeah, How'd you end up moving from it's there? It's a special place, you know? Yeah, right, yes sir. <laughs> yes sir. How'd yeah. you end up in Oklahoma? Well, I'm from this area, you know, so I was gone oh. 95 to 2013. I was gone a long time. And uh, 
when my parents are getting older, you know, so yeah, came back here, you know, which I'm glad about because I was able to spend about five years, you know, before my father passed, you know, so glad that I came. Had I not come back, I'm glad about it, yeah. you know. What a good son. <laughs> yeah, I tried to. Or a good son. That's so neat. Yeah. I think it's important, you know, if you, have, if you have a good father, that is, you know, or good parents. Yeah. Not everyone, like you said, not everyone has that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was just really interesting to see what you're doing. What do you think? Actually, someone's going to ask a question here. Let's see. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that is right. Hasim Rockman, yeah, he... Uh, Hasim Rockman also lives in uh, Oklahoma City, and uh, his uh, son, Kenzie, Tommy oh. Moore's son, is going to fight Hasim Rockman's son next. Oh. So that's interesting. I'd pay to watch that. <laughs> yeah. They usually fight on, uh, I want to say the fight's usually on ESPN, maybe, um, when they fight, just, you know, kind of like Tommy was. But uh, What weight class, Todd? I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I, I don't think either one of them are heavyweights. Um, but uh, yeah, the thing that Tulsa's known for—if you ever see the movie *The Outsiders*, it's kind of an old movie with uh, yeah, you know, Tom, one of Tom Cruise's first movies, Emilio Estevez was in it. All these guys, see Thomas out. It was filmed in Tulsa, you know. The lady who wrote *Outsiders* went to high school in Tulsa, so <clears throat> a lot of those sites, like the house, is still here. The place where they had the big brawl and the what uh, outdoor movie the. the uh, the drive-in, it's still there, you know, the Circle Cinema. There's, so a lot of people come here to visit the sites. And uh, Danny O'Connor from House of Pain, the rap group House of Pain. Yeah. He bought the house, the outsider house. He bought it for like $15,000. It was falling apart at the time. They were going to destroy it. He bought it. He fixed it up. You know, they have tours there. He's got merchandise he sells. He, he moved here. You know, so he's kind of like the de facto, uh, almost like the de facto mayor of Tulsa, I would say. Yes, sir. Yes, the sir. most recognizable person in Tulsa, I would say. So, yeah, he does that. He's a big fan of the old movies, Outsiders. He he does screenings of, like, the Warriors at a, a local theater here once a year. You know, these old movies that he's fans of. The Outsiders, obviously, guys from that movie, they come here, like, once a year for the anniversary. They tend to have like a big, you know, Ralph Macchio come and, you know, see Thomas Howell, other people. That's so, so cool. <laughs> so, so if you're cool. at Tulsa, that's, that's what you could look for. Yeah, absolutely. Mike yeah. out there for that Morrison fight. Goodness. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to, I, you know, I actually had his first wife was on my show not that long ago, Don. And oh. we kind of, I'll have to send it to you, but we talked a lot about Tommy and, you know, the reason I knew I knew of her is because there was a 30 for 30, ESPN 30 for 30, which is called Tommy. They had the debut here. And the Circle Cinema, it's kind of like a nonprofit cinema. And a lot of times they have people talk before the movie. And she and Tony Holden, who manages his kids now, they were the ones who kind of talked before the film and took questions from the crowd. And so I knew who she was from there. You know, and she came. I'll have to send it to you. It's pretty cool. Yeah, please, please. That would be cool. So, be cool. you know, before we finish this up, I just kind of like to let people, if you want to, if there's something you wanted to leave the interview on or where people can follow you, obviously, because you're, you're pretty popular, you know, 
I'm on, I'd like to say I'm on TikTok the most, although like direct messaging through Instagram's the, the, the best way to go. Um, but I've got a lot of things in the, in the fire right now. Um, like the past year and some change, like I've always been in church, but like not to this level. So um, like, we'll see what happens. Cause there's some, I might, you know, I don't want to say get pulled, but I'm being led to, to do some other things um, through the ministry. So we'll see, see what that looks like or, or what happens. But um, anything to do with training or, or sport, like I just busted out my Todd. I just broke out my, um, I had to split my storage up and I've got a ton of signed stuff from back in our era. Like I've got like, uh, not that hoist one a belt, but I got the hoist uh, couture, um, Chuck Liddell. I mean, I got all these signed belts and gloves. I got the original USC gloves. Um, remember the champion video across the street from Tokyo Dome? Yeah. I've got a bunch of stuff from there signed. Um, I just got boxes of stuff. Um, so I think I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to just give it to a museum or sell them or something. I don't know because I'm probably not do thing with it. There's an Instagram called MMA Museum and they'll pay for that stuff. Oh, Okay. Yeah. And then they'll pay a lot of money for the Ensign told me he sold them his I wanna say it was his gloves maybe from the Vomp Chanchen fight or something. But uh yeah, there's there's some sites here on Instagram that'll pay you a pretty penny for some of that stuff. Oh, okay. I'll okay. find you. Because I know I know Ensign did business with them, I think. Um okay. I'll send you. so yeah, I'll okay. definitely let you know about it okay thank you um but if anybody's got questions or something i can help them with or or what i don't know um i had like not too many people know this too i had the, i had a fight organization over in eastern block europe and not, i used to just crush it but then that was 2008 when the economy made a left turn um so maybe set just if you need help maybe getting fights out of the country or what i don't know but um Anything I can do to help anybody, like, uh, please don't hesitate to hit me up. What, and, what's your TikTok name? Uh, the, the Fight Coach. The Fight Coach. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's my get down. Or if you need to, if you want a video, you need to, me to go over something, I'm, I'm all about it. Or talk about whatever. That's my get down. Um, to, run, to, to talk to somebody who's been in the game is really cool. Like, like uh, yeah. I'm grateful that you did. You know, I want to thank you for taking the time to do it. You know, especially I love doing these ones from our era. Man, you know? that's so cool. So I, I would love to sit and just have one and just talk stories because man, we could kill. Oh some yeah, I could bring like yeah. you and a couple other guys on from the old school, and we could just jam on it for real. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, well, but I appreciate your time, sir. Oh, I appreciate you taking the time to do it as well. And like I said, I love to have you come back we could like i've been talking to francisco bueno a lot you know lately he's got a guy in uh vegas they moved to vegas carlos mota is his name he's got one guy they moved to vegas he lost a title fight in lfa and then they moved to vegas they've been for the past you know two or three months and they're just going to stay there and continue to train and uh yeah he's pretty damn good this kid so they're bringing him for the, the next one.
you know. Oh, good job. Doing it all there. And yeah. And it's just Francisco and him, you know, and they're, you know, they're training with some other guys. They train with Wayne McCullough, you know, the boxer Wayne McCullough. And they've been training with some, you know, wrestlers, kickboxers, jujitsu, you know, all kinds of different guys. Okay. Yeah, he's preparing it for something. Like Francisco said, this guy's the shit, man. You know, like, you know, yeah. So he's, he, he strictly moved out there to Vegas just to, you know, for this purpose. I love the students in Brazil, but this is, yeah. But he didn't bring a whole team of guys. He brought one guy, you know? Wow. That's a cool story. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to bring some other guys on, maybe a couple of us. You can get like four people total on here, so right. Uh, that all we need that the stories would be so cool. Yeah, from where this sport started from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All well, right. Thank you. Bye, man. It was great talking to you. Great meeting you. Like I said, love to have you back on again. Okay. Yeah, please. I'm about it. Hanging out with you. I'm. I'm about it. All right. Well, uh, take care and uh, have a great night. Stay blessed. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Hi, bro. All right. So if you want to follow Todd Medina on Instagram, you can do so at Todd Medina MMA. And if you want to follow the TikTok that he has, which has like 400 something thousand followers, it's called the fight coach. And he does a lot of uh, answering our questions, but also showing some different uh, techniques. I would say more focused on boxing techniques than MMA, but he does do some of that as well. And as always, you can follow me on Instagram at the underscore Todd underscore Atkins underscore show. And please follow my Instagram. Um, I'm sorry, my YouTube and TikTok, which are Todd Atkins show, both of them. And as always, uh, appreciate the support and more episodes to come.